0: We're gonna do. We're gonna uh, do some things, and I kind of start uh, a little uh, mini series called "Silent Signs." And uh, I, there's a lot of things you can say about this. Silent signs that 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 speak, and uh, we'll finish it off. Uh, you know, next Wednesday we'll go through the star charts and talk about uh, the major constellations, and uh, we'll we'll get there eventually. But I just want to share some things with you that sometimes when you read about them, uh, you, you forget about why they're written. Why did Israel do certain things? Or why did they, why did God require them to do certain things? Well, it was not just for their benefit that they, that God gave them instructions. It was also for the, that we would learn something. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Most people... Are living their lives willfully unaware. Would you put that in there? Willfully unaware of how close the coming of Jesus really is. Now, and I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about good people. But I'm just saying, in the in the culture in which we live, and our, the church culture in which we live, uh, the living with the awareness on a daily basis that this could be the last, uh, you know, this could be the last day. Uh, especially with things that are going on. Now, I noticed a lot of things in the news and, and, uh, with, uh, that, that you know, has people kind of shook up, but there's more than just what's in the news that you should be aware of that's already been written and told that point to the fact that Jesus could come today. So, so we're living willfully unaware and uh, we're not mindful, we're not really mindful, and, and I'm, I'm just as bad as anybody else. Sometimes the daily grind of life uh, causes you to become desensitized. That It's a normal thing, okay? Preachers are included, me included. Just the processes of life and the, and the, and the things you do in life will desensitize you to, to the reality of, you know. And every once in a while we have to shake ourselves. Uh, every once in a while I have to say, well, all right, wait a minute now. You know, you're getting, you're getting, you know, you're relaxing a little bit on, and, and being focused on, on this, wor- this world a little bit too much. And you need to focus on what is really important in life. <coughs> is it not true? We, we we pay our bills. We work. We cash our checks. We pay the rent. Uh, you know, we buy the groceries and we do this, that, and the other. And, and bef- if you're not careful, uh, and if I'm not careful, we get desensitized. Uh, to really, and we let begin to let our priorities slip. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 9. I want to read these now because <clears throat> last, last week I asked you about some numbers and I asked you about some things that I had been teaching on not too long ago, and most of you couldn't remember it. And I, and I realized what a miserable failure I am as a teacher. Are <laughs> oh, you getting prepared? All right. Hopefully, you brought your journal. You know, Say, so was you and Monica pass these leaflets out? Will you do that for me? Have you already handed them out? All right, cool. Now, so I found a scripture. I found a scripture that fits with next Wednesday, or the last, what happened last Wednesday. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure mind by way of reminder. <laughs> I thought that might apply to this crowd. So I'm just going to remind you, by way of reminder, I'm going to stir up your pure minds, all right? that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets that are the commandment of us, the apostle of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the Father fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Listen, we we're living in, in an hour in a culture uh, who does not have, an, 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 and some in the church, church culture, That does not have their mind on the coming of the lord that's just that's just the way it is and every once in a while we get so caught up with life that we forget that how soon his coming is and i throw myself in with the same crowd but but i'm just challenging us that we just need to come back every once in a while and shake ourselves to the reality that we are not going to be here forever jesus is going to come for somebody whether it's a rapture somebody's going to go to meet the lord Tomorrow anyway, whether it be through sickness or accident or whatever, somebody's going to go out to meet the Lord. Uh, so we have no, we have no uh, control of that, but we know from life that that happens. So even if Jesus doesn't come and, and rapture the church, our number may be coming up tomorrow. My number may be coming up tomorrow. So we need to live with the awareness that it, whether I go by the grave or I go in the rapture, live with the awareness that now is the day of salvation that's the reason that now word is so important because we tend to have a tendency to put off some of the important things in life i went to pray for isabel and two of her boys were there one of her grandson one of her boys and she was she was saying pray i want you to pray for my boys pray for my boys i said okay so i, I said we're gonna pray we're gonna pray for your mom and we're gonna pray for you i said uh, i looked at him with joined hands and i said now look uh, do you plan on going to hell? Before their eyes go. And they, I said, Do you plan on going to hell? And I guess they wasn't used to that question being asked very often. And so they said, Well, no. Well, I said, Then you, at some point in your life, are going to receive Christ as Savior, right? In order to get out of hell, say out of hell, that's what you got to do. So at some point in your life, you are going to make the decision to serve Jesus, except Christ. Well, yeah. I said, well, today'd be a good day. And so we just joined hand Han now. Whether they accepted Christ as Savior, I don't know. But I did let them know the only way to get out of hell was accept Jesus. He's your fire insurance. So <laughs> it's amazing, it's amazing. Nobody plans on going to hell. If you ask them, nobody plans on going to hell. Good people are there, not because they, wa- they wasn't good, just simply they, they put off making the, the most important decision that they ever made in their life, and that was receiving Christ as their Savior. And that's the only reason. Now, God has given us all the information we need to realize how close the rapture is. And we're going to go through these, these things. I don't want to go too fast, but I do want to kind of get on with it, all right? Number one, He has given us His Word, the Bible. Let me talk about my family. And when I say about my family, I'm just not not talking about my immediate family, but my family. Most of my family claims to be believers. But they haven't a clue what the Bible is all about. They, They know Jesus. They know about Jesus. They know about God. They know bits and pieces about the Bible. But they don't know the Bible. They don't know. They just don't know. They don't read it, and they don't study it. Uh, if you ask them simple questions about the Bible, they would not know. But yet, they're all Christians, and uh, to me, it's 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 kind of a. It disturbs me. It disturbs me. The Bible is more than just a good book that you that is laying on your coffee table in the front room or on the nightstand next to your. Bed. It is to be read. As newborn babes in Christ, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. And we'll talk about that in in a moment. Growth does not happen because you accept Christ as your Savior. That's a new birth experience. But growth comes from you studying the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith, your initial faith that you have been invested with by God, to every man has been dealt the measure of faith, that faith to reach out and accept Christ as Savior. Everybody has been given that measure of faith. But that's beginning faith. And the only way that faith can grow is you and I getting into the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we are, all of us, in our faith walk, our faith life, determined by how we, how we have the Word of God in our life. Is that making sense to you? Everybody's on a different level. Everybody's on a different plane as far as faith is concerned. But everybody should be involved in the process. Is this okay? All right, so he's given us his word. Secondly, in his word, he has given us certain signs to be aware of that point to his soon return. Now, the greatest sign that he has given us is Israel being reborn as a nation. I can go into a lot of them and spend a lot of time, but we have shared them over the past several weeks about, about what to look for. But Israel is probably the greatest sign that the, the soon return of Jesus Christ is right at the door. After 1,900 years of being scattered, they're back in their land. They're not only back in their land, but they're in, they're in control of the holy city of Jerusalem for the first time in almost 2,000 years they control the city of Jerusalem. It is one of the most fabulous signs that point to the return of Christ. And so, so he's given us certain signs. He also has given us living, and get this, he has also given us living, illustrations in Jewish customs that teach us about history as well as future events. Now, I'm going to go through these real quickly and, uh, and we we'll give it some response from you, all right? These are living illustrations. The Hebrew people were to keep seven feasts unto the Lord during the year. Now, I want you to get this. The term in Hebrew for festival or feast is the Hebrew word moed, M-O-E-D. It means a set time or an appointed time. The feast was referenced uh, to historical as well as future events. They was to be held on certain dates at certain times during the year. They couldn't be changed. They couldn't be be said, well, I don't have time to do it at this date. I'm going to do it. No. no." It was cut and dried. These festivals were to be kept at, at certain times, at appointed times, for a reason. Because they were teaching us something with living illustrations, all right? Number one, the Passover feast. Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. What was the Passover? Where was that first mentioned? When they was leaving Egypt, right? They, they, God instituted the Passover. I want you to take the lamb. I want you to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And he said, then I want you to keep a feast. And you'll keep it on this date, at this time during the year. Uh, throughout your generations, it will be a perpetual feast all right and so they they slayed the lamb and they started doing the passover now passover was a historical event and every time they celebrated that passover it pointed back to the time that they came out of egypt but was that just what it was uh, for just to point them back to a historical thing it also pointed towards something that was going to happen in the future didn't it what was it pointing toward all right remember what john the baptist said behold the what The lamb that takes away the sins of the world, that sacrificial lamb that they killed uh, 1,500 years earlier when they come out of Egypt, was a type, not not only was it a historical event, but it was a type of something that was to come in the future. And so the future came, Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and for four days they inspect him, they ask him hard questions, and and he, he lived out exactly because the lamb was supposed to be taken like on the 12th day of the month, for four days he was to be watched to make sure he was without spot or blemish. And then on, on the 14th he was to be slain. For he went in on the first on, at the week right into Jerusalem. He was, he was inspected. He was asked certain questions. They inspected him. Uh, remember what they said? I find no what? I find no fault in him. He was a type, it was a literal living illustration of something not only had that happened historically, but it was something that happened, but that was going to happen in the future. And for 1,500 years, that was a living illustration that taught he's coming. He's coming. So it literally happened, didn't it? It literally came to pass. It was a, an appointed time, a set time, Moed. It was a living illustration of not only historical fact, but something that pointed toward the future. The second was unleavened bread. You'll find it in Exodus chapter 12, verse 17. It was, it was uh, unleavened bread was, was completely free of yeast. It was free. It was, unleavened bread represents sinlessness. The sacrifice that Jesus made, uh, the reason it was accepted because he sacrificed his, uh, a sinless life. He, there was no leaven. There was no sin. Throughout the scriptures, leaven is a type of sin. There was no sin in Jesus, so it was a it was a perfect sacrifice. It pointed to something that was a historical fact. It pointed to something that was a that was a set event in history. It was, it was a, a sinless sacrifice. Thirdly, the feast uh, the feast of first fruits, Leviticus chapter twenty three and verse ten. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. I think we got. He shall wave the sheath before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. All right? It was a symbolic of offering first fruits to the Lord. Also, it was a historical fact that, that, that they did that. And it, symbolically, they, they was, when they offered that sheath of firstfruits, they was giving uh, to God what, he, what was his so that he sanctified the rest of the harvest. But notice it goes beyond just something, a historical event, who was the first fruits of those that was raised, that's going to be raised from the dead? Christ. It was also symbolic. It pointed to a point in time when, when there would be a resurrection. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. When they waved that sheep, note it was after the Sabbath on the first day when, when he, after he rose, they waved that. That, that was a type of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it pointed to a historical fact, and it pointed to a fact that was going to take place in the future, that Jesus was going to rise. And then the fourth feast was the Feast of Weeks, or the, or the Feast of Pentecost. Leviticus chapter 23. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep for the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer the new grain offering to the Lord. It was the Feast of Pentecost. When they came out of Egypt, this is what took place. For 47 days they marched across the wilderness. 47 days. Till they came to the foot of Mount Sinai. Three days was spent in preparation for what God was going to do. On the 50th day, God came down upon the mountain There was fire and smoke and the law was given. So it it pointed to something that historically took place. The law was given 50 days after they left Egypt. Historically, it pointed to the time when God was going to change the way he was dealing with people. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and and energized the church and there was something new that was being instituted the the old was, was was going away but something new was being instituted it was a, it was a, the it was the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the holy spirit that started and so it pointed not only to a historical event but something that was going to take place in the future now the first four feasts was was in the spring and related to the, to the early rain and the last three was in the fall and was related to the latter rain. So what's God doing between the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost till the Feast of Trumpets? There's that gap of time. So what is God doing? He's torn out His Spirit, the early and the latter rain. The early rain, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. The latter rain when, when uh, here a few, just a few years ago, God began to pour out His Spirit afresh and anew. Some, some call it in, in, in 1906 in Topeka, Kansas. I mean, God began to pour His Spirit out and there was a wave of revival uh, swept across uh, the United States and around the world. Azusa Street, all those places, the latter rain began to be poured out. There was another flow of the Holy Spirit during the charismatic remo- uh, renewal, when it kind of crossed denominational barriers and, and lines and the Holy Spirit began to be poured out on, on Catholics and everybody else. I mean, everybody that was hungry for God, God began to pour out His Spirit. So what's taking place during this, during this separation from the first four to the last four, God has pouring out His Spirit on the church. He's getting people ready for what these last three feasts represents. Notice the fifth one, the Feast of Trumpets doesn't say too much about this feast. Only a couple of verses in Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 24. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy conversation. conversation. And that uh, convocation, that's about all it says. If you want to find out about trumpets, you can go to Numbers chapter 10. There was two silver trumpets that was was, uh, made. Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. When they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Notice the sound of the trumpets was directed toward people. It was a notice for people to gather. There's coming a point in time in the future. Now these first four feasts has literally come to pass. They're living They're living illustrations of not only historical events, but also things to take place. And those first four has been fulfilled to the letter. Now, if the first four has been fulfilled, do you think the next three is going to be fulfilled? The next thing on God's calendar is the blowing of a trumpet that will gather, that will be responsible for gathering people. Notice what it says. And uh, go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Feast of trumpets. Now, whenever you deal with the future, whenever you deal with things that, that hasn't come to pass yet, nothing is set in stone. One guy said, I heard one preacher say, when it comes to the future, we have to believe in the pan theory. It'll pan out. But I also know that the resurrection is going to be preceded by the call and the blast of a trumpet. Feast of trumpets. And this is one of those feasts that are, there's very little said about it. Not much, not much scripture containing to that. But we know that WHEN THE TIME COMES AND GOD GETS READY TO TAKE HIS CHURCH HOME, THERE'LL BE A SOUND OF A TRUMPET BLAST, THE VOICE OF THE ARCHANGEL. AND THOSE are in, WHO ARE IN CHRIST, THE DEAD IN CHRIST WILL RISE FIRST, AND WE WHICH ARE ALIVE AND REMAIN shall BE CAUGHT UP TO BE WITH THEM, WITH THE LORD IN THE AIR. AMEN? I'M READY FOR THAT, ALL RIGHT? SIXTH IS THE DAY OF ATONEMENT. DAY OF ATONEMENT. YOU CAN READ IT THIS WAY, AT one minute. LEVITICUS CHAPTER th- 23. Also, the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It's one of the most, it is one the holiest uh, day of Israel's feast. It's where they settled the sin question. Uh, they, put, they put leaven out of their house. I'm telling you, they afflict their soul. They fast. They, they, I mean, it's all, it's all about taking care of the sin question and making sure that they're right before God. All right, it's the day of atonement at one minute. Now notice, go to to the next scriptures that I have listed. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. Why? What is going to take place? Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look unto me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him, As one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn Zechariah chapter 13 verse 1 in that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness can a nation be born in a day great day of atonement is when Israel opens her eyes to receive her Messiah has nothing to do with the church we're gone has everything to do with Israel uh, getting right before her God and accepting the one that they have afflicted. It's a day of atonement, it's a day of taking care of the sin question. Historically, it points it points to a feast that they had, that 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 they deal with the sin question. In the future, it deals with them, telling the sin question between them and their God. And a spirit of supplication and prayer will be poured out upon them, and they will they will grieve as one grieves for their firstborn, and them and God, in fact. Some writers say two thirds of the Jewish people will already have been destroyed during the seven year tribulation period. Only a remnant or a third of the Jewish nation will be left. But those remnant people will turn back to God and receive Him as Savior. That's what is the feast represents. And then notice the Feast of Tabernacles Leviticus 23 and verse 34. <laughs> In that day, uh, go go ahead to Leviticus. Go back to Leviticus. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, the 15th day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. I don't know if there's verse 35 or not. What does this point to? When they it, it points to the time of the sojourn in the wilderness. It's a historical event. They lived in temporary houses. They lived in tabernacles and God dwelt among them in a temporary tabernacle. And so to commemorate that as a historical event, they had this Feast of Tabernacles, which was a historical fact. But it also points into the future when, when they're going to cease dwelling with God in, in, in tents, our temporary homes. But the book says that he will live with them. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. Go to that verse. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they will be, shall be his, uh, his people. God Himself will be the, uh, with them and be their God. It's going to be a historical event where they lived in temporary homes, and God tabernacle that, in that tent it points to the future event when God is going to come down and live among them permanently." Amen. No more temporary homes. Silent witnesses. That the Jewish people enact every year. That points to a historical fact, but also prophetic sign, an event that's going to happen in the future. Now, the first four has been fulfilled. So will the last three. I got 10 minutes. I'm going to hurry here. Notice God has also given us heavenly signs. He's given us living illustrations. He's also given us heavenly signs to teach us his story. Psalms chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day into day utter speech and night into night reveals knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. There is no place on this planet that you can get away from a, a visual look at the stars. Now, it may be dull to us here underneath all this dirt. But if you went up the mountain a little ways, I'm telling you, the heavens will will strike you with awe at the grandeur and the vastness of the starry heavens. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said it this way. If you dwelt in the heaven and looked on earth, you could remain an atheist, but you can't remain on earth and look in the heavens and and remain an atheist. You'd have to believe in God. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. It is an amazing thing, the the story that the stars teach us. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. What are the stars for? Check this out. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Is that the only verse I have? That word, that word season, go to your notes and check this out. The word for seasons is the same word moed that was used in the feast, which means an appointment or at, a, at a fixed time. You ever uh, think about how our solar system is designed? Have you ever thought about it? Uh, roll that clip, and then we're going to talk about our solar system as we get into the stars. Thank you. you some questions uh, um, what, do you, what do you know about our solar system how, how does it all work do you know um, we live our solar system we live in the the Milky Way is in our solar system do you know how wide it is do you know how big the, the Milky Way is have any idea some 10,000 light years wide that's in our solar system how long is a? How wide is that? That's somebody going the speed of light. How fast is the speed of light? Hundred and what? Hundred and eighty-six thousand miles a second. So ten thousand light years is ten thousand years of you going one hundred eighty-six thousand miles a second for a year, times ten thousand years. That, just think about our so the way. Uh, the way he made our solar system. Now, there, there's one sun in our solar system. One sun. Uh, everything orbits around the sun. How many planets in our solar system? Twelve? Sure? There's nine? Nine? nine planets in our solar system how many fruit of the spirit is there how many gifts of the spirit are there there we have we have a moon have you ever noticed the cycle of the moon it goes from complete darkness to full light so what is so extraordinary about that the moon has no light of its own it reflects the light of the what the sun so here it goes the stages and uh, the heaven declares glory. So the moon is reflective of what takes place in our life. All at once, there's a flicker of light, that new birth experience. Remember, you reflect the, I was once in darkness. We walked in darkness, but now we're walking in light. And as the, the moon goes through its cycle, it gets brighter and brighter. That's discipleship. That's growing in grace. It gets lighter and lighter and lighter. You know what you're reflecting? You're not reflecting yourself or, or the darkness. You're reflecting the light of the sun. So it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And where does God take in us? He's taken us to, to full identification with the sun. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when it appears, when he appears, we shall be what? Like him. So the moon goes through these stages, and it actually is an illustration of of the cycle of spiritual life that we all go through. All of this all of this orbits around the sun. The earth and the other planets orbit orbits around the sun in our solar system. And it goes through stages, and we'll talk about the stages next Wednesday but i thought how how convenient our life should revolve around the sun seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness our life revolves around the sun it's almost like you know god first i don't know about you but when i when i think about the solar system how it's a giant picture it's a giant witness of of things that god wanted us to hear that they, though they're silent, their voice is heard. And when you look at them, you see a lot of things going on. The, the word moed means an, appoint, an appointment or a fixed time. Job chapter 38, and get this, Job chapter 38. Uh, now, God is talking, God is talking to Job, and uh, he's kind of ticked off uh, at Job, at what, everything he's been saying and all of his friends have been saying. So he's kind of put out with him. And so he's kind of censoring him. He said, can you bind the cluster of Pallades? Now, Pallades is, a, is not a major constellation, but it's one of the minor signs. One of the, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a reference to seven cluster, a, star, a cluster of seven stars. Are loose the belt of Orion? He's asking Job, can you do that? Can you do that? Can you bring out Maserab? Now, some translations use the, the name Zodiac. It means the same thing. Can you bring out Masroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? All of these are talking about the constellations. Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Good question. Can you set their dominion over the earth? Another good question. Can you do that? And so uh, as, we, as we look at who made, who made the constellations? Who made the stars? So when we study these things, see, Satan always tries to mess up the message. And so he's, he's got everybody thinking when they look at the stars, and especially Christians, we're, thinking about, we're talking about astrology. Has nothing to do with charting your life course. Has everything to, for us to do about getting the message God wants us to hear. Okay? And, and so he talked to Job about the things that he had made and asked Job if he could take care of them. The term zodiac comes from a Hebrew word that means a way or a path that the sun appears to follow through the heavens. Now, the sun's in the center. All All the planets are orbiting around the sun. And as the earth makes its trip around the sun, 365 days, it takes a little over 365 days for the earth to make its orbit around the sun. But as it appears that the sun is moving, in reality the sun is standing still. But the earth is moving. And as it moves... As we see past the sun, we pass through these different constellation houses uh, in the universe. Okay? So the term zodiac is a, is a term to the way the sun seems to move through the, through the universe. But it's actually standing still. So the zodiac stands for, our term, for the term way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, the scripture refers to you as children of the way. There is a way that we are to walk. There's a way that we are to live. There's a lot of things that are wrapped up in this. Notice this. The twelve signs as originally given by God were a prophetic uh, outline of the purpose of God in the plan of salvation. How did Abraham come to faith? He did not have the Bible. How did Abraham come to faith? He saw it in the stars. Some of the oldest star charts go back over 5,000 years. The names of the the constellations are the same today as they were then. How did Abraham know? God told him one day, he said, go out the back of your tent and look at the stars. And God began to take him through the stars. See, Job knew about the stars. God did not even question if if he knew what he was talking about. Job already knew about the star charts and what they meant. He already knew that. And so when Abraham came to faith, God gave him the, the salvation story that was already written in the stars. Before he wrote it on a, on a, on, in the Bible, he wrote it in the stars. And so it was there for everyone to see. Nobody is going to be without excuse because the stars are there and, and the message is clear for those that want to learn about it, okay? So the signs, the 12 signs originally given by God were a prophetic outline of the purpose of God and the plan of salvation. In the oldest Egypt, Egyptian star charts, there was always a sign of the Sphinx between Virgo and Leo the lion. How do you know where to start the story? And we'll pick it up next Wednesday. The, the sign of the Sphinx was like an asterisk. And on the uh, Egyptian star charts, it's always between Virgo and Leo the lion. So the message starts with a figure called Virgo, which is Latin for virgin. She is pictured with a branch in her hand. Virgo, the virgin. Remember when, when uh, Isaiah said, told the king, he said, ask for a sign. The king said, oh, oh, hey, hey, I'm not going to ask God for I'm not going to tempt God. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. You read in Isaiah, I think, chapter 11, where he says, God's going to give you a sign. And he says, the virgin didn't say a virgin. He said, the virgin, which is a reverence to the constellation Virgo. The virgin shall conceive. Bear a son. It's going to be a sign to you. It's a sign to point towards something. It was a message that was going to be given. The branch in her hand, remember, said there will be a branch out of the root of David that will come forth. There's going to be a virgin, but the hope of the virgin is she's going to get pregnant. She's going to have a son. That's where the message starts. And in the process of time, some 4,000 years after the signs were in the stars, a virgin conceived and bore a son. And they called his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. It was all written in the stars long before it ever played out in the natural. It was all written in the stars. Silent signs, they're there. And they teach us a story. We'll talk about, we'll get into these signs. A lot of these signs have already been fulfilled. The virgin, how many know the virgins already had the child? Been fulfilled. Okay? And so we're going to talk about the others. And they're they're interesting. Hope you hope you're journaling. Don't make me stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Number twelve stands for what? Divine authority. 48 stands for what? Dwelling. dwelling. Okay. What's the number? The number 48 is significant because in all of the 12 major signs, there's three minor signs. If you add it all together, it comes up to 48. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are the dwelling place of God. Numbers and things. I'll tell you what. It's amazing, isn't it, how the Bible fits together. Study it. Study it. Man, I tell you, it make, make a difference in your life. Amen? All right. Five after, man, I'm ready. Don't miss next. Don't miss next Wednesday. We'll have some star charts. We'll have some pictures in the overhead, or on the movie. We'll, we'll do some great things. All right, Stay with me. Appreciate all of you here tonight. God bless you guys.